1: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm
2: in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass.
1: What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Monday, June the 10th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have a special guest joining the podcast to talk all things Dolphins minicamp and off-season program from someone who was there front and center. Let's go ahead and get to the housekeeping real quick. Before I bring him on, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya Podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On fins And check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all of the written Dolphins content. From the entire offseason, we have scouting reports on every single acquisition the Dolphins made over the course of the offseason. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a lot to get to today. Let's go ahead and jump right in. And first down today's Locked on Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. It's Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And joining the podcast now is the best beat writer on the Dolphins beat. You can find his work at the Palm Beach Post and you can follow him on Twitter at Shad Joe. He is Joe Shad. Joe, what's happening, my friend?
3: Thanks for that kind introduction, Travis. I am uh, doing well. I am pleased to join your podcast. It's pretty much the last thing I'll do except go to the beach uh, and maybe the mall for the next five, six weeks. So happy to fit you in.
1: Well, everyone, I think you're the envy of everyone on the podcast here. So def- definitely enjoy your time off because it could be a long season for us coming ahead this July, August, September, and beyond. But I want to start here, Joe, since you've been at all these available Or media portions of the the mini camp portion of the offseason. And the biggest story we have to start with is obviously the quarterback battle. And we've heard about this discrepancy between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. And I want to ask you is it that wide of a gap? And also, has there been positives we can bank on with Josh Rosen?
3: What we've seen, Travis, every practice that we've watched is Ryan Fitzpatrick does everything first, he leads every drill. He takes every team snap first. Uh, he even does post-practice interviews first <laughs> while Josh Rosen stands around and watches and waits. <laughs> so it is clear that the Dolphins are setting this up to where Josh Rosen is going to have to earn every single first-team rep, uh, every single uh, you know first-team snap in the preseason. And uh, I think that's smart. I think that's smart of the Dolphins to kind of put him in his place as a 22 year old who, um, you know, has had a high opinion of his own abilities in the past. I think that's a smart decision. Um, Rosen has thrown more interceptions. Uh, Rosen has made more mistakes. Uh, Rosen has admitted to a steep lo- learning curve. Uh, none of this means that Josh Rosen can't still be the Dolphins quarterback of the future. It just means that Ryan Fitzpatrick, yes, clearly won May.
1: If you had to put an estimation on who was starting on opening day against the Baltimore Ravens, who would you say it is?
3: Uh, You know, I'd go 60-40 in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Uh, you know, even though Coach Brian Flores says uh, every rep counts the same and that preseason snaps and summer snaps aren't any more important than these. Um, You know, we all have recency bias, and if Rosen plays as well as Fitzpatrick in the preseason, reason to believe they would prefer to start Rosen right away, Uh, but it does appear that uh, the Dolphins would not shy away from starting Ryan Fitzpatrick in the opener and uh, would not shy away from starting him until, you know, he throws four interceptions for the first time, and then we'll see uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick again, unless... He gets sacked, you know, Josh Rosen gets sacked nine times in a game, knocked out, and then Fitzpatrick has to come back in to play hero.
1: In which case, Fitzpatrick is liable to throw four touchdowns or four interceptions like you mentioned. So you never know where it's going to go with him. But how do you get the sense, or what is the sense, of the entire team regarding this competition? Are they rallying around one guy? Do they have positive feelings about both guys? How is the team reacting to this quarterback competition?
3: I'll try to put it this way. Let's say you have a dinner party and you invite two couples and one guy in the party is telling stories and he's charming and he's humorous and he's funny and he has all these awesome life experiences and he's highly likable. That's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then you have this other guy who's sort of a cocky Californian who sort of comes in with this reputation as a know-it-all. Uh, who's sort of interested in talking about things that maybe you're not so interested in, like, you know, energy conservation and uh, politics and religion, and you're just sort of like, yeah, whatever, man. That's kind of Josh Rosen. So um, people gravitate towards Fitzpatrick. I don't know if it's the beard. I don't know if it's um, just the fact that he has so much life experience. He's a humble guy. Uh, he's very self-deprecating which um Josh Rosen uh, you know we, we need to get to know him but even in media interviews I've heard some other journalists like who who come in for a day or two they're like what is it with that guy he seems like a jerk now I'm not saying Josh Rosen is a jerk I'm saying that a couple of young journalists who stopped in for a practice said to me what's the deal with Josh Josh Rosen and I'm saying well we got we got to get to know him, and I think it's for the players it's sort of the
1: same thing. That makes a lot of sense, and that's something we've heard about Josh Rosen's past, that he can rub some people the wrong way. And like you mentioned, maybe it is just that first initial oppression you have to kind of get past. We're here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, with Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post. You can find him on Twitter at shadjo. Joe, I wanted to ask you, since you've been around this team for a few years now, coming back from ESPN after being with the team previously in the Nick Saban era, you've been around a lot of different Dolphins regimes. What can you tell us about the differences or the changes in the program or the changes in the vibe around Davy from last regime with Adam Gaze to this year to Brian Flores and how the team has responded to Brian Flores and the implementation of his new program?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a complete 180, Travis. I mean, um, you know, uh, Brian Flores is all about business. He's all about serious. He's all about discipline, structure, doing things the right way, doing things one way, doing things his way. It was certainly a looser ship in the Adam Gase era now. uh, You know, Adam Gase's way was kind of, like, cool for the players until they started losing, and then they were annoyed at all those things I mentioned, lack of structure and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, Brian Flores is going to have to earn uh, the players' trust. They know that he has a Super Bowl ring uh, or more uh, picked up, uh, you know, one, the most recent one picked up uh, in New England uh, just uh, this week. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to see some results before they uh, concede that doing all those post-practice gassers and running to the wall <laughs> of shame whenever they make a mistake is actually in the best interest of the team.
1: Yeah, sometimes I worry that it's one of those situations where, you know, you go from one ex-girlfriend and you want the complete opposite in the next one. And I I worry that maybe we're a little bit too excited about that. But I do want to give Flores and his staff the benefit of the doubt because they have said the right things, at least up until this point. We're going to take a quick break here with Joe Shad and come back on the other side and talk about his most impressive player of minicamp and which area of the team is the biggest concern. We'll do that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. It's at Winkle NFL. The show is at Locked On Finns you can find Joe at Shad
0: Joe on Twitter. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or... Could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president enter Wondery's newest sports show alternate routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors, Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports in these alternate sports realities dynasties will fall legacies will change forever and new goats will emerge follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts and you can listen to alternate routes early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus
4: if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason
1: Okay, we're back here in segment number two with Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post. We're talking all things Dolphins offseason, including the last month or so of minicamp practices, which Joe has been around each of those practices that were available. And I want to start here, Joe, with a player we've talked about a lot on the podcast the last couple of weeks, Rashad Jones and his absence at minicamp. You've covered this in depth and up close and personal What's the sense of the team and the feeling around Rashad Jones with his absence and coming back? Is there animosity? Is it all water under the bridge? What's the Rashad Jones skinny right now?
2: Well, I think the players would tell you, given truth serum, that they would prefer Rashad Jones be there for those voluntary practices. Obviously, the coaches would prefer they be there. Um, But for the most part, those coaches and players, given the same truth serum, would probably admit that Rashad Jones has time to catch up and learn. Um, it's not a great look uh, for Rashad Jones to to not be there. Um, uh, you know, I, I think you know I think the sh- the shoulder injury gives him a little bit of leeway when it comes to his decision to stay away from the team. Um, look, I mean he's 31 years old. he's going to be by far the highest paid player on the team. I think it's clear that he doesn't fit into the long term plan of the Dolphins, but it's also clear that he doesn't really have a tradable contract. Now, Chris Greer found a way to trade Ryan Tannehill and Robert Quinn when some thought that was laughable. Dolphins have the salary cap space to take on some of that money and maybe make it work. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see because um, the thing that Brian Flores is stressing constantly is selflessness and team first. And Rashad Jones, give him credit as a fifth rounder. He has done more in his career than anyone would have thought he would. Uh, Except maybe Chris Greer, who had a lot of belief in him and drafted him. Um, But he's kind of a me first guy. Uh, It just is uh, the case. Uh, So it'll it'll be interesting to monitor how he fits into this team first concept.
1: As a potential Ring of Honor member one day, possibly moving on in the coming years, we have an influx of young talent in the secondary, including the newly high-paid cornerback and Xavier Howard. Bobby McCain has a fresh extension from last year, and Minka Fitzpatrick is just about every Dolphins fan's favorite player at this point. How would you say that group is coming together under this kind of new formation or new schematics on the back end? Because from where I sit, Joe, it sounds like a lot of changes are coming to the way this defense is ran from a schematic standpoint.
2: I mean, the Dolphins, as you know, had an issue covering the deep part of the football field. And Bobby McCain doesn't look the part of a guy who can play center field. But the Dolphins say, well, a guy like Tyler Matthew has done it. A guy like Earl Thomas has done it. They're not very big. Uh, Bobby McCain, we're going to give him a look at uh, center field deep free safety, which is crazy because you have three other high pedigree safeties on the roster in Fitzpatrick, TJ McDonald, and Rashad. But clearly, Rashad and, and TJ aren't cut out for that. Um, you know, look, a lot of NFL teams are moving towards um, linebackers on the defensive line, uh, 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 safeties at linebacker, and uh, and corners at safety. Right. So the Dolphins feel that they need to become quicker in the in the secondary, get more cornerback types on the field. Um, I know you studied the tape as much as anybody, Travis. And, uh, and the Dolphins didn't have uh, as many defensive backs on the field, particularly cornerbacks, as a lot of other NFL teams in recent years under Matt Burke and Vance Joseph. That's not something they did. So the Dolphins feel that they can do more of what other NFL teams, including the Patriots, are doing, which is more defensive backs. They have less of an emphasis on pass rush, obviously, uh, and more of an emphasis on flooding, Uh, the passing lanes and causing confusion. I mean, Brian Flores thinks he can overcome lack of talent with his schematic advantage, which I hate to use that phrase because that's one Charlie Weiss once used (laughs) after he left New England.
1: (laughs) That's pretty funny to to make that reference in terms of the Patriots' uh, defects, leaving the Bill Belichick tree there. But, I mean, I I get the sense that there will be improvement from the coaching staff standpoint because the ways that the Dolphins ran the defense in the past – was pretty antiquated in terms of just being left in the the history of football lore, because that's not the way the modern game is played anymore. Let's go ahead and change gears here, though, and change gears here, Joe, and talk about who has been your most impressive player throughout the course of these mini camps, going back to voluntary and up through mandatory mini camp. Who was the most impressive player during the stretch of camp?
2: Yeah, we're going to put a huge grain of salt on this because it's May and there's no pads, but you know, Devontae Parker has been outstanding, uh, and he usually is in May, so this is nothing new. Um, but who knows? Uh, in his fifth year, maybe this is the year uh, that, that Parker actually somehow stays healthy. Uh, you know, who knows? I don't know all the scientific reasons and biochemistry reasons uh, why his body continues to break down and why he struggles to to. Play at a high level when not fully healthy, but uh, but who knows? It was worth the risk for the Dolphins to bring him back at the contract number that they did. Uh, he's been very good. Preston Williams, uh, by far the most uh, interesting uh, undrafted rookie free agent uh, that the Dolphins uh, brought in. Number eighty two uh, has all the talent. Uh, I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick working with him after practice. Give him a look. He, he sees that him is a worthwhile. Uh, investment. Uh, and, you know, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think is a little bit exceeded expectations uh, early on. And it's kind of hard to say who else has looked really good. Gasicki has had some moments, you know, you can't judge the line play. Sure. Uh, I'm a little worried about Eric Rowe, who the Dolphins are projecting as a starting corner, hard to know, but he's certainly been up and down throughout the early part of camp.
1: Well, it's good to hear about Fitzpatrick's leadership uh, abilities because that's been a big sticking point for this coaching staff and the things they've discussed at all the media availabilities. And you mentioned Devontae Parker and that contract they brought him back on. I wanted to ask a follow-up question there. Have you had a chance to talk to Devontae? And if you have, have you noticed much of like a humbling atmosphere around what he is now? Because you come into the league as a first-round draft pick, there's expectations, but now he's been kind of humbled a little bit with this new contract. Do you get a sense there's a different Devontae Parker this time around?
3: You know, I think it's
2: important that you don't lose confidence when you're a receiver. And I believe him when he says that he's never completely lost his confidence. Believe it or not, Parker is a humble guy. Uh, he's not. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, I want your listeners to know that, actually. okay, It's easy to hate on Devontae Parker. Uh, he's a guy who's not gotten in trouble off the field You know, you get the people who listen to your show really should know that uh, you know Parker is not a guy worth rooting against. Uh, You know, I think he really is at a point in his career where he wants to do the right thing. He very easily could have left, but you know, he told me that he wanted to try to make things right and sort of change the way he's remembered by Dolphin fans. And I think that that's uh, you know worth considering we know he's always had the athletic ability. It's really just about maybe finally putting it.
1: I do apologize for some of the technical difficulties we're having here on the podcast, but it is good to hear about Devonte Parker's mentality and mindset and where he's at, because you mentioned the low number he took on that contract. He probably could have gotten more somewhere else, especially when you consider what guys like Devin Fungus on the open market got. So, Maybe this is the year he turns it around. It would be great news for the Dolphins because they really do need a true dominant number one wide receiver. It's a big vacancy on the roster. Let's go ahead and talk about other vacancies on the roster, Joe. I want to ask you at minicamp, and you mentioned this because it's very true. It's hard to get a feel for line play when there's no pads on. And I assume that the offensive line might be in this category. Maybe the defensive line too. What would you say is the biggest concern from your vantage point at these practices? Which unit concerns you the most?
3: You know, it's really hard to tell about offensive and defensive line play when these guys aren't even hitting each other. They're really not even trying to run around each other or through each other at this point in time. But um, when you look at the Dolphins, I mean, clearly they're depleted at the defensive end position. Uh, So who in the world is going to rush the passer? Uh, Nate Orchard. I don't even know if it's Orchard or Orchard yet. I'll figure it out by the time we get to the season.
1: You've got time. Uh, number
3: four. He wears number four now. I'm not sure if he'll wear number four in the season. But, you know, he's actually looked pretty quick, so that's positive. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, the fifth rounder, will get an opportunity to rush the passer. I mean, most of the people in this country have no idea who these players are, but there's a lot of guys like that that get an opportunity to rush the passer for the Dolphins. And then... You know, at the right tackle position, you know, Jordan Mills uh, lost his first team position to uh, uh, Jesse Davis at right tackle in the two mandatory uh, minicamp practices. Uh, obviously, there's a reason for that. The Dolphins want to get a look at Jesse Davis, but they also realize that, you know, Jordan Mills is no slam dunk solution at right tackle, so... I think the offensive line is really worth monitoring closely in the summer because there's going to be so much attention on other things, the quarterback battle, who's the starting corner opposite Xavier Howard. Uh, But, you know, their offensive line was really worse than people realized last year.
1: Just to go back to the pass rush concern here real quick, Joe, What's the? You mentioned a lot of these players that are kind of scratch-off tickets in terms of buy low, hopefully you hit high on them with the reward, but we have a first-round draft pick here in Charles Harris who hasn't done a whole lot in his career. What's the feeling around Charles Harris at camp? Do they have aspirations for him to kind of step his game up, or is he a lost cause or somewhere in between?
3: Well, I think that Brian Flores is smart in that. He's trying to boost Charles Harris's confidence. I think he's gotten a scouting report on Charles Harris and realizes that Charles Harris felt lost last year, that he completely lost his confidence, that a guy who only has three snacks, three sacks, might as well be snacks, in, uh, in the 800 or more, 800 or so snaps, sacks, snaps, snacks. Uh, listen, it just hasn't been good for Charles Harris. And, uh, I think that what gives, some hope for him is an opportunity to uh, be in a different role uh, potentially as a stand-up pass rusher something that Charles Harris did at times at Missouri. Uh, Harris told me that uh, when he has his hand on the ground as a 4-3 defensive end the offensive tackle clearly realizes that uh, he's going to rush the passer. But when he's in a stand-up position uh, it creates uh, some doubt, and, uh, and that he thinks that, that Charles Harris does, that that actually might help him.
1: He is Joe Shadow of the Palm Beach Post here on the Locked On Dolphins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to come back and ask Joe what he thinks about this team both in 2019 and in the long-term rebuild as far as the future of this team is concerned. But first, real quick, I want to tell you guys about GRIP6 belts. Today's show is brought to you by GRIP6 and their ultra-lightweight belts, which have no holes and no flap and makes a great Father's Day gift. Go to GRIP6.com right now for a special offer when you go to GRIP6.com slash
4: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Okay, we've got Joe Shad on the other end of the podcast here, and I want one more question from you, Joe, in terms of where you see this team from both an immediate vantage point and a long-term scope. You've been around football and this team for a long time, and I know it's only June, but based upon what you've seen, what is the immediate outlook for 2019, but also beyond as we are in phase one of this rebuild? And
3: Dolphins are going to be a bad team. It's just a matter of whether or not they win two, two, three, four, five, maybe six games max. Um, this team was not built to win now. This team was not built to contend for a playoff spot now. Uh, this, this team, if it succeeds at all, it'll be because of the positive impact of And we should judge this team and Brian Flores not based on whether or not they win three games or five. I mean, that really doesn't matter. It's more are key players like Mike Kosicki, Charles Harris, Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker, Cordray Tankersley, if he comes back. Are these players showing improvement? And if they are, then there's reason for hope. As the Dolphins launched their true rebuild in 2020, this season is, sorry to say, just not about winning games. It's about changing the competitive spirit. It's about not quitting. It's about um, uh, development, player development, learning and improving.
1: And I'll say this, as long as if we find out that Brian Flores is the rock star head coach, and that's the only thing that happens this season, I'll say 2019 is a win in general. So good to hear. I know it's going to be a rough season. But Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show here. He is Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post. You guys can find him on Twitter at Shad Joe. And uh, Joe, I'll see you again this fall at the stadium. Thanks, Travis. Look forward to it. And there he goes, the venerable Joe Shad. Once again, a big thank you to him for joining the podcast here and taking time out of his vacation. As you guys heard him say, this was the last thing he had to do before his summer vacation began. So again, a big thanks to Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post. Check him out on Twitter at Shad Joe, as well as his content on the Daily Dolphin all year long off season and otherwise on the Palm Beach Post. As for this podcast, we recorded that interview on Friday. No real news came in over the weekend, but I did want to get you guys caught up on something I did miss throughout the week. Isaac Asiata has been waived from the injured reserve, so he is no longer a member of the Miami Dolphins. One of the higher thought of draft picks in that 2017 draft class in the fifth round did not pan out for Miami. He just never developed his game as far as the technical standpoint and getting himself more in control and harboring those raw traits that he had to turn into a solid football player. So Isaac Asiata now done as a Miami Dolphin. As for today's podcast, that is going to do it. But I want to tell you guys about the new Himalaya podcast app. They are a free podcast app that is super easy to use and has every single podcast you are looking for in the entirety of the universe. And while you are out there, go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Dolphins podcast, or if you're on the Apple podcast app, Go ahead and subscribe to us there as well. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. You can keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Sunday, Monday. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.